0: Welcome to Unleashing Sister Saints, a podcast focused on strengthening women's faith in Jesus Christ and helping them wrestle through the sometimes complex gender and cultural dynamics in the church. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, a global expert in women and leadership, a mom of four, and a devoted member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. And I love the word unleash, hence the name of this podcast. I use this word often too in my speaking and other settings. In each episode, I like to include research, personal experiences, and a challenge to help you feel free to bring your whole self to the Lord's work. Now, in this week's episode, I am delighted to welcome back my friend, Dr. Christy Kane to the show. Dr. Kane is a mental health professional, public speaker, author, and business leader, and she earned a doctorate degree in psychology, and her primary goal is to help people care for their brains and live better lives. So I'm excited to have Christy on the show again. This is part two. And this time specifically to shine a light on the topic of women and loneliness in the church. Christy, welcome back.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So let me set the stage a little. You recently delivered a beautiful address at BYU Women's Conference on the topic of loneliness, and you provided a clinical and scientific perspective of the worldwide problem of loneliness while also combining spiritual directives and encouragement. It was fantastic. Now, I think sometimes when we envision a lonely woman, we think of a sister that's maybe single or an elderly woman, perhaps living by herself or without her family nearby. But the reality is that loneliness affects women and sisters from a variety of backgrounds and family situations. Can you elaborate on why loneliness is such a pervasive problem globally and even within the church, and then talk about some of the challenges women face that lead to loneliness?
1: Well, you know, Susan, I think you're probably more of an expert in this area than I am. But women, it's an interesting dichotomy of women's connection with women. And from a mental health perspective, I find it interesting that so many women in the LDS faith and outside the LDS faith feel alone, even though they're surrounded by other people. So somehow in our culture, in our modern world, We've shifted the ability for women to feel connected and deep intimacy with other women. And so, why do I think that's happened? Well, we live in a much more comparison world than ever before. I think that's part of it. We don't do the same cultural things. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up listening to my great grandmother. Tell her stories, you know, of the potluck dinners and the barn raising and the social dancing. And they got together for each other's entertainment and news source and to survive, right? And we don't do that anymore.
0: And And I used to, when I was growing up, I have to say, I was in Northern Idaho at the time, but we used to have a lot more dances and Western swing things going and families used to get together more. And, And so we had some of those same connections.
1: Yeah, I think it's a we've shifted socially. So people are more isolated, in a sense, away from those who they would have formed those intimate connections with. I think we're also so busy, Mm. that in our busyness, the loneliness comes. I also believe that we've, we're losing that ability to trust and create intimacy because of the fear of comparison. In some places, the culture is culturally vanilla in the sense of everybody trying to be just like everybody else. And that even creates loneliness. And there's just fear of judgment. I don't know about you, but I remember being in a release study lesson, I don't know, gosh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it was the first time in my life I heard a sister stand up and say, I have depression. And I went, oh "Oh my goodness. Like I wanted to celebrate that she had actually said that. And I thought if more sisters would give deeper answers and real answers in lessons, they would find the ability to be more connected because everybody's struggling, but nobody shares.
0: And I think things have shifted. You definitely hear that more, but I would agree with you. 10, 15 years ago, you didn't hear any of that. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of appalling when people were a little more open, people would say, wow, why are they so open? But Mm -hmm. it takes that to make deep connections. I mean, it takes knowing someone to make deep connections. Yeah, I I think that's such an interesting comment, because sometimes we just give those Sunday school answers, right? But that's, (laughs) the more depth is so important. So also, in my notes, I really felt that that sometimes mental health illness leads to more loneliness, addiction issues, financial problems, health challenges, of course, people struggling with their children, which I've done myself, that I had a bout of really struggling for probably a full year, not loving going to church when all my youngest son's friends were going on missions, and I would just feel so sad. Any other comments about some of those challenges that you've seen that lead to that loneliness? I do
1: think that as we go through difficulty because of this more isolated social media, I think in some ways, comparison judgment world, mm-hmm. that yeah, when people are struggling, I think we tend to think we have to go through it by ourselves more than ever before. And so we we do pull back. I don't know exactly how we're going to change that. Because if you read some of the early writings of the Sister Saints, man, they Told everything in those meetings about everybody's problems so that they could help whoever needed to be helped, right? And here we've become HIPAA protective, if you will, in the sense I don't think it's effective. I think withdrawing when you're struggling is the exact opposite of what you should do and it intensifies the loneliness.
0: I think that judgment piece is so key because maybe sometimes we don't want everybody to know because of judgment, but also sometimes people gossip and the veins sometimes of caring and just spreading things. And I don't know, any comments about that? Have you seen that?
1: That's the fine (laughs) line, right? We have to be careful who we share with and those who we do share with need to respect privacy. And it's difficult because even in our culture, it's like, you know, if you're a ministering sister and a sister shares something she's struggling with, In some aspects, you're kind of supposed to go back and visit the study presidency. And yet the sister who you shared with may not want that presidency to know. And so I think you have to have clarity of communication. Like when people share stuff with me, and maybe it's because I'm a mental health professional, but I'll say, now this is something that I would go back and share with the presidency. Are you comfortable with me doing that? I really feel that it's important that I do so. And then I will respect what they say, but I'll strongly encourage them and say, okay, if you don't want me to share that, you need to. Like in counseling, there's things we tell people when they walk in the office. There's a few things that if you share with us, we have to legally report. Yes. yes. And so it's kind of like giving them that room to say, I feel very prompted that this needs to be shared. But again, respecting privacy, right?
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Now in the talk, you shared a definition of loneliness that it relates to the absence of an attachment figure or social network or community. It seems ironic that in a world with ever-growing social media networks and virtual reality opportunities, that more and more people struggle with loneliness. So can you describe the relationship between social media and loneliness? And why do we need to be cautious as women on social media?
1: You and I both know that the mental health statistics across the board are increasing dramatically for young women, but for all populations. Part of that is this social media world has created fake realities with no depth. And women, if they struggle at all in any type of social esteem issues or wondering if they're good enough, social media drives home the nails of everything that's wrong with you. While trying to get you to believe that everything's right with everybody else. It's a fake world. But here's the other interesting thing about the fake world, Susan. A lot of people get wrapped up into social media watching a particular figure who's not only sharing, hey, I'm going on a trip, but if they broke their arm or if they, I mean, some of the things that people get caught up in watching is also... Negatively impacting the brain from small t traumas. Like there's this virtual vicarious living that people are doing through other people's lives. I mean, I can think of several, even LDS women in the social media culture, that if they break their foot, that's new news and everybody's commenting, but none of it is producing the oxytocin chemical that creates connection. None of it's creating the uplifting messages that you get. When you're spending time immersed in face-to-face, I need any human connection. And so not only are we sending negative messages that impact the brain inappropriately, we're also diminishing the production of the oxytocin chemical that's created face-to-face. And so we're compounding this emptiness and loneliness by watching and what we're not doing.
0: And judging ourselves and others based yes. on what we're watching too. That's so interesting. You know, I think there's a place and the church says so, right? The church leadership, there's a place for social media, but it's yes. one of those things that if you cross, it's addicting.
1: It's become the new soap operas. Do you remember yeah. Way back when, when that was the big thing, right? I mean, I was in college and at three o'clock, I was a resident assistant and three o'clock, Monday through Friday, every day, all the dorm rooms were, would empty and all the girls would go to the TV room. And I'm like, what are they watching? And I think it was like days of our lives or something, you know, but every kid went to that, but it was one hour a day. The soap opera lives in social media, women are watching it's six, all day, nine to 10 hours a day. Wow. And it's fake. And fakeness creates depression and anxiety and judgment and comparison.
0: And you and I, part of a panel on the issues with the CDC had reported on teen girls, and I put this in the show notes, too, so people have that link. It was an awesome panel. Thank you for putting that together. But it really went through some of these deeper issues with girls and young women, specifically And about 60% are seeing now depression, anxiety, and so forth. And about a third are seeing they've thought about suicide or even attempted. And so you look at the world and there's things going on, but social media is one of the causes. I mean, the research continues to say that. And even the last week, wasn't there something new? Maybe, I don't know if you, I didn't have time to read deeply, but Mm -hmm. there was even a new report on social media, the negative impacts.
1: Yeah, and now you have, you have so many reports coming out, as you said, and you've got so many states now stepping up to try to figure out, especially for under 18, right, if there's any type of legal action they can take. Because it's more damaging, I think, to the self-esteem of women than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime.
0: So in your talk at BYU Women's Conference, you described that when women encounter challenges in life, we tend to hunker down. You talked about this a little bit a minute ago. And we try to go at it alone, which then further leads to isolation and despair. Now, this approach is also contrary to the repeated invitations from our Savior, Jesus Christ, to come to him and lay our burdens at his feet. What reminders would you offer to Latter-day Saint women trying to manage their challenges and loneliness on their own without seeking the light of Jesus Christ?
1: Because you've mentioned our Savior, I would remind them that how many times in the scriptures were there women that critically thought him, sought him, right? You've got Mary and Martha, Mary Magdalene. You've got the woman with the issue of blood. You've got the woman whose son passed away. You have so many examples of women who didn't go it alone, who went to the master to help them with what they were dealing with. And what we have to remember that the going to the master yes means going to the temple, saying your prayers, reading your scriptures, but it means literally going and sharing verbally with another person your burdens, mental health issues dramatically increase in severity when there's isolation. And so when you feel like I have to be strong and I have to look like everything's in place and I have to act like I'm perfect and I can't let anybody know difficulties, that is Satan's message, right? Mm, The master took upon himself, according to my understanding of the gospel, all of our issues, not just when we make a mistake in the commandments, right? And I love the fact, Susan, that if you look at Christ, in almost all of his moments, he touched the people he healed. Physically. Yeah. Going it alone doesn't allow that human touch to come in. And when you can share with a fellow sister or a friend your difficulties and receive that physical embrace, that brings healing, that brings connection, and that lifts loneliness. And you don't get the physical touch or embrace when you tell yourself you have to do it alone.
0: And it probably, and you would know this better than I, but that physical touch moves your neurotransmitters in different ways too, correct?
1: Yes. And think about it. When do we bond the most with someone? It's when they're sharing something about themselves that is truly raw. Yes. When they're being truly vulnerable. And that's what we're asking people to do is to trust and be vulnerable because that's some of the deepest connections. Like I have people who share lots of things with me, but some of my longest connections that are most valuable to me are the ones who I have known everything, but the things that they've gone through because they've trusted me enough, not that I could fix it, but they trusted me enough to give me the privilege to listen.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. In your talk, you also said this. The key is to learn to navigate loneliness through the light of Jesus Christ, guided by the comforter within the gospel of Jesus Christ as sisters united to lift comfort and offer understanding. I love that. We You're saying we're part of a sisterhood. And we are not alone. And yet, in your talk, you describe feeling extremely lonely and isolated after your divorce. Despite prayers that a ministering sister or Relief Society presidency member or others would reach out to you or visit, they didn't. I have to say that's so heartbreaking, but I know many women who have experienced this lack of outreach and not usually because others are cruel or selfish. Others just aren't aware of our struggles sometimes. So here's my question. What should women do if they find themselves in the position of feeling lonely in a church community? Well,
1: you listened to my talk and so they they should not do what I did, right? In my talk, I talked about how I felt I'd failed when I went through the divorce. And so I know I pulled back, right? I used to be the person that kind of sat in the middle at Relief Society, always commented in the lessons. And I started sitting on the back row and coming to church at the very last minute and leaving as soon as it was over because I was hurting. Mm -hmm. Don't do what I did. Mm -hmm. Don't pull away, right? Because I watched another sister six months later who went through divorce, who the way that she was received by the sisters was so opposite of me. They embraced her. She sat with them. They cried with her. And I remember thinking, going, what was I, chopped liver? Like, you know, nobody put their arms around me. Nobody reached out to me. And I said that to someone afterwards. I said, why? And they said, well, you're such a strong, independent female. We all thought you wanted to be left alone. And yet inside, that was the exact opposite I wanted. Mm -hmm. But the message I was giving, I guess, said that.
0: With your nonverbals, with when you showed up. And so we need to be aware of, even if people are, you know, we make assumptions because of those nonverbals that you don't need us. Right. And we need to challenge ourselves to lean into that, right?
1: And the sister who's struggling needs to lean in. I should have called the Relief Society president or called my ministering sisters and said, hey, I need you. And I didn't, right? And so it's a double-sided thing. It's taking responsibility to ask for what you need, which is hard. We, some strange reason we think it's a weakness. I think it takes great strength to say, I'm not okay and I need help, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to do that as members of the church, as sisters. And then, as you said, those of us around others need to be watching for those cues because oftentimes those who seem to have it all together. Are probably the ones struggling, perhaps the most, and their mask is acting like they have it all together.
0: Yeah, you do want to. I know, uh, you know. Even though I haven't challenged, haven't struggled with certain challenges, I've struggled with kids leaving the church. And at this point, I have to say that all four of my children are not active in the church now. And with that, you just want to. You've sh- got to help
1: with that, Susan, because I have one. I have one going that way. So, I can imagine that's hard because I know where I'm at. Oh,
0: that's it's heartbreaking and it doesn't get easier with each child. It's been one child after another, my and even with return missionary and so forth. And it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that for a long time and didn't want to lean into that. And now I talk about it all the time because I have accepted Christy that I'm okay, that I tried my best with what God has given me my head, heart, and hands to do what he wanted in terms of, you know, all of the things that you do, family home evening and going into church and going to the temple and all those things. But you have to give yourself grace and say, you can do what, and it's not all about you. And women take that on because it's our role in the church to be the nurturer and do all of these things. So then it must be our fault. I don't know if you've gone through or you're going through that, but man, we can play with our minds.
1: (laughs) Well, and we go through just the hurt for them, right? We know what's coming and we don't know how to protect them, right?
0: It's a process of grieving too. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, that's tough. So we are taught by both science and doctrine that humans need each other, that we are not meant to tackle challenges like loneliness alone. Any other thoughts? Can you elaborate more on the science behind this? You've talked a little bit about this and share some important ways that each of us can decrease loneliness and increase authentic connection every day. So what are some practical things, Christy?
1: Well, I appreciate that you bring up also that medical side because we know people so you can be alone and not be lonely Susan and you can be surrounded by people and be alone and we know medically those who struggle with loneliness have increased heart disease cancer they die at younger ages loneliness is damaging to the brain and to the human body it's also damaging to the soul right they're all connected and so what i really encourage anyone is if you are dealing with loneliness, you need to tell someone. I don't care who it is, whether it's you go sit down with a mental health professional like me, whether you walk into your bishop's office and say, I need you to make sure that you're sending sisters to my home every day to talk with me because I'm not okay. Or you make friends with a stranger in the grocery store. I have started to make it a point that whenever I see a person I find a reason to comment like, oh, I love your hair, or that's a beautiful jacket, or how are you doing today? We walk around each other and we stand around each other without speaking. I mean, how many of you get in an elevator and none of you have a conversation with anybody in the elevator? We have to stop that. And so if you're feeling lonely, start talking to everyone. I don't care if you say, that's a nice car, or thank you for begging my groceries. But most importantly, don't do what I did. Don't close the door of your house, get on your knees and pray for people to come and then wait. If you need them, then go find them. I learned that in a horrible way. For six months, my depression and things were so dark because I shut that door and it would have been so better. I mean, even though I pleaded and prayed and you hear these stories of, prayed and somebody showed up and they knew you oh. were meeting them right and i kept thinking okay god i'm praying and then when i got that correction by my friend i was like i was praying but i didn't act oh. don't not act and don't get caught in well why do i have to be the one that reaches out why do i have to be the one heck i have a friendship group we do stuff bunch of single friends almost every week but guess who sends the text out every week To say, are we getting together? It's me. And I complained about that once. And all my friends said, well, that's your role. That's who you're supposed to be. That's (laughs) part of what you're supposed to do. please, if you're lonely, don't sit in it. The only way to end loneliness is human connection with another person.
0: That is so, so important. And I, man, thank you. I have to say thank you for being so vulnerable on this show today and sharing your heart and soul and some of your struggles, because I think that's going to be helpful for others. And it's so helpful for me as well. I tend to, you know, I have a husband that goes to church with me, but I tend to be in my head so much and sit at the back of those things, unless I have a calling, right? If I was really study president, which I was many years ago, then I took it upon myself, But I love your advice to just lean in, step forward, tell people if you're not okay, because there are good people in this church, people Mm -hmm. who will lean in, people who will be there if they know.
1: And that's information, right, Susan? Inspiration, information precedes inspiration. Yeah. Gotta tell people.
0: And I love your comment, though, too, about you can pray and pray and pray, but if you're not acting, if you're not doing your part, which is just lean in and talk and tell people and reach out. So I love that. So for listeners today, I would like to challenge you to reflect on this episode and journal some of your thoughts. What can you do? If you're lonely yourself, what can you do? What are some next steps for you? And if you're not experiencing loneliness, what can we do to help people that better attention, I would say, to the loneliness of others? Jot a few notes again in your journal. Dr. Kane, thank you so much. It's always wonderful to talk to you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And to listeners, please follow Unleashing Sister Saints on Facebook and Instagram for more information and to stay up to date. And if you like a particular episode, please share it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Dr. Susan Madsen, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world.